Peter is writing to a persecuted people. He wants to remind them that even though you're persecuted, you're in good company and it's worth it because you belong to Jesus. Then he says this, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again not of corruptible seed but incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is of grass and all the glory of man is the flower of the grass, the flat grass withers and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word uh, which by the gospel was preached to you. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up, a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for all you're about in our lives. Thank you for today and our, just our time together. Father, again, thank you for all your blessings, uh, more numerous than we can count, that we don't need to take granted of, for granted. And Lord, would you just speak to us with your word now by the power of your Holy Spirit? Spirit, will you just touch us in a way that we will understand the word and obey? And Father... As we do this, and as you do this for us, we'll give you the praise you deserve as we leave this place. In Christ's name, amen. All of us, whether we want to admit it or not, have some authority in our lives. When we were younger, it was usually our parents, then our school teachers, then the authority became our friends because we turned into teenagers and we knew everything. Some of y'all still remember that, right? Okay. Yeah, well... I wish I would have invested in the stock market when I was 16 because I knew everything. Anyway, we have an authority. I've met some that didn't think they had authority. I, I uh, did a prison class when I was at Washita where we visited all the prisons in Arkansas, starting at uh, Pulaski County, then going to the state, and then going to the federal prison in Texarkana. And they would arrange for us to interview inmates, and I was so glad that they stayed with us while we interviewed the inmates. But we and, and one thing I noticed is that some of those people, if they were out, you just wouldn't know that they were any different than you were, except for one thing. Almost every one of them had a problem with authority, some type of authority. They were usually tried to be their own authority. Well, you see, we need to understand that that issue, where do you get your authority, really uh, yields questions or yields answers to a lot of different questions in life. We better have a, a th an authority that is proven. We better have an authority that is right. We better have an authority that we can trust. And that authority for Christians is God's word. You see, our authority for living should come from God's unfallible word. And we need to understand that, that because God's word is infallible, it should be our authority. Society doesn't want to talk about that. 
They don't want us to talk about that. They want to say, oh, that's just not so. But as Christians, that is exactly where our authority needs to be placed so that we don't get misled. So look at two or three things about our authority. First of all, it's a purifying agent. Again, verse 22. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, uh, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently uh, with a pure heart. Peter starts off and he says, you've purified your souls. And the way you've done that, you've believed the Word of God, the gospel. And because you've accepted Christ in faith, because of what the Word of God has taught you, you're now purified. Your sins have been forgiven. Okay, Jesus himself has purified you. See, God's word sanctifies and purifies. That's what John 17, 17 tells us. It says that your word uh, is pure. Okay, Galatians 5, and 23, that fruit of the spirit talks about what is done in our lives because... When we believe God's word, when we've been sanctified by Jesus Christ, saved by Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit resides in us and produces fruit. And that is a sign of the purifying agent of the work of uh, word of God. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, uh, faithfulness, uh, gentleness, self-control. Against these there is no law. And though that's one of the things we, we need to understand is what God's Word does for us. It is a purifying agent for our minds and for our hearts. First Thessalonians chapter 5, if I can find it, verses 23 and 24 also says that. It says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who will also do it. You see, God's Word is supposed to be our authority, but that, that works out practically as we study God's Word, as we memorize God's Word, as we try to live God's Word, because it's not enough to, to study it and memorize it if we don't live it. And that impacts our living, and it, it purifies our, our thoughts, our intents, okay? In Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul reminded us, he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service of worship, that you may prove what is that good and perfect and complete will of God. And you do that by knowing God's word, um, Several of our deacons uh, are in the habit of saying that that stinking thinking. I think that comes from Robert Simmons and I'm not sure, maybe Ronnie Thomas. But stinking thinking is prevalent in Baptist churches. See, it may sound spiritual, but if you can't base it on God's word, it's stinking thinking. Okay? And, and the advice you get from all of the world is stinking thinking if it's not based on God's word. And we don't realize how much the media and other uh, things influence us till we catch ourselves and we get to repeating some of the things that they would say or they would think. And that tells me we're not really immersing ourselves enough in God's Word. I like the way uh, Brother Galen said it. He said, it's Advent. You may not know much about Advent. I would encourage you to get on your phones or your computers and look up Advent. Okay, and I would encourage you to do a Bible study that emphasizes Advent. Galen got me doing that a few years ago, and it's, it's really something because you think the greatest Advent of the world was, first of all, that Christ came into the world to save us from our sins. It was a big deal. Amen. And the second Advent is going to be a big deal when he comes back. Okay, 
And we need to understand that. And so we need to celebrate, uh, you know, and whatever your feelings are about Christmas, you know, I know it's commercialized. I know all the things that say that December isn't the time to, to, that Christ was really born. It doesn't matter. That's what we've claimed. And so we're going to own up to it. We're going to do it. So let's celebrate his coming. And the best way to do that is by reading God's word. By reading the Christmas story, by thinking of how that has impacted your life and my life. Okay? And so we need to realize that God's Word is a purifying agent. And if you need, need help in the way you think, or if you need help in, in, in determining God's will or in guidance, you need to go to God's Word before you do your horoscope. You don't do the horoscopes, right? Say, Amen, Brother Gary. Because I had some lady tell me one time that she went to her horoscope every morning. I thought, oh, please, Lord, deliver me from evil. Okay. But let's go. And you think I'm teasing about that, but I'm not. Okay. It's not only that. It's a productive agent. Okay. Uh, chapter 1, verses 23 through 25 talk about God's productive agent. It says, you, you've been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Because... All flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Do we understand? We've been born again by the word of God. And so Romans ten seventeen tells us faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Okay, there's production in God's Word. Okay, in other words, when you intake God's Word, it produces results in your life, in my life. Uh, Psalm 33, 9 uh, says it this way. It says very specifically, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. For He spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. Okay, and then we could also go to Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11. You'll know it when I read it. Okay, Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11. Uh, <clears throat> it says this, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it might give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. And one last verse, and you'll know it, is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, speaking of God's word and how important it is and how productive it is. It says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. See, God's Word produces godliness in our lives. It produces faith. It produces holiness. It produces fruit in our lives. It is a productive agent. The third thing that God's Word does it is a practical agent. Chapter 2, verse 1 says it's practicality. Therefore, laid aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word. You need to understand that some people have this mistaken notion that God's word was written a long time ago and has nothing to do with today. Okay? Uh, maybe it only deals with the very distant future when Christ comes back. But see, nothing could be be further from the truth. God's word is for right now. 
God's Word is for our lives right now as we live our lives. God's Word is not ambiguous. It is not dark. It is not, uh, it, it, it's not what cannot be understood. The Holy Spirit makes it understood. It's for practicality right now. It's for living right now. That's why he lists all those sins that said, get rid of these. And the Word of God helps us to avoid these. Malice, guile, hypocrisy, e- envy, evil speaking. You see, he helps deal that. How does I know that? Because Psalm chapter 119, verse 11, that we learn in vacation Bible school quite a bit, says, Thy word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Okay? And when we hide God's word, it helps us deal with that. It's a practical agent for living right now. Uh, If at all possible, we need to be memorizing God's word. If you can memorize one verse a month and you've memorized 12 verses, you say, that's not much. But over 10 years, that's 120 verses. If you can do uh, one verse a week, that's 52 in a year. Think about that and how that helps us live. And then when people ask us questions, because we've memorized it, because we've made it a part of our hearts and minds, the Holy Spirit brings it back and uses it to answer folks when they ask those difficult questions. And we wonder, how am I going to answer this? And the Holy Spirit just gives us a verse of Scripture. Now, will they always agree with the verse? No. They might not even believe the Bible. That doesn't mean we're not supposed to give them the answer that we know. It just means we give them the answer that we know and let the Holy Spirit do the rest. Okay? As I tell you quite often, don't argue out of ignorance. Okay? Anything other than God's Word is ignorance. Okay? When it comes to arguing spiritual things. Okay? It is also a perfect agent. It's a perfect agent. The word of God is to believers what mother's milk is to babies. It says in verse 2, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is gracious. You see, there's nothing more perfect than mother's milk for a baby. Okay? Uh, I didn't realize that till I had my own kids. And then my kids are having kids. And I'm watching these things grow. And it's like somebody, somebody's feeding them miracle grow. I do not understand Okay, but you see, the perfect nourishment for a Christian is God's word. Okay, and not to to study God's word and read God's word during the week uh, to your spirit is like your body not eating all week. It starves. Okay, and we need to understand that. See, it's a perfect agent for what God sent it forward to do. It's sort of like counterfeit money. Money only has authority if the federal government backs it. Counterfeit money it has no authority. It's going to be rounded up and destroyed, okay? It's the same thing with a false gospel. A false gospel lacks something very important. It lacks the authority of Jesus Christ. It doesn't have the ability to save, even though uh, the preacher of that false gospel may believe it himself and he may win others to his beliefs. In that final analysis, as Paul said, let him be accursed. And that's Galatians 1, 6 and 9 because he said that twice in those verses. Let him be accursed because a false gospel damns people to hell. It does matter what you believe. It matters what you teach. It matters what you allow to be taught. Okay? And we need to understand that and we need to hold fast to that. And the only way you're going to know if it's right or wrong is if you have been in God's Word. You see, anything other than God's Word will not help us because God's Word is perfect. Psalm 119.105, another one from Vacation Bible School. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Okay? And so we need that. The fifth thing is it's a precious agent. A precious agent. Verse 4 of chapter 2. 
coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You see, Christ literally was rejected by man, but he was the cornerstone. He was the cornerstone of all God had planned to do for salvation, for our salvation, for the salvation of mankind. Without him, the building falls. Without him, uh, nothing is stable. He's invaluable. He's absolutely necessary. He is precious, a precious stone. The word of God reveals Christ to us. Never forget the Bible's main theme from beginning to end is God's plan of salvation for mankind. Okay, from Genesis through Revelation, we see God working his plan for folks to be saved. And then it's a permanent agent. Uh, verse 23 uh, told us that uh, the word of God abides forever. Verse 5 says, you also as living stones are being built up, a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual blessings acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You see, it is a permanent agent. It abides forever, okay? It's a permanent dwelling, a spirit of God, a priesthood of the believer, living stones. You see, but I, when I say priesthood of the believer, I'm not, that's not the rallying cry that was going on when I went to college and seminary where everybody interprets it. Man, you don't have to have somebody else tell you how to interpret it. You realize priests were not free to believe anything they pleased. They had to believe what the Word of God said. Priests were not free to do anything they wanted to do. They had to do according to what God said they were going to do. Martin Luther, the great reformer, said it this way. This now is the true priesthood, which consists of three parts. That we offer spiritual sacrifices, that we pray for all spirit present needs, and that we preach the word. Any suggestion that each believer priest is free to believe as he or she pleases is foreign to the scriptures. We need to remember that. You see, but I want you to think a minute about how blessed we are in what we have with God's Word and with what God has done for us. Contrast the Old Testament, the Israelites, with us, the true Israel. They approach God through priests and through the mediation of priests. We are a part of a holy priesthood. Okay? They came with bloody sacrifices because of the eternal sacrifice of Christ, all our sacrifices are spiritual. Uh, you see, they, did, they look forward to what we now experience. And we need to be thankful for that. And we need to praise God for that. Here's the way we need to understand that God's Word is proven, and it's our authority. Psalm 119, verse 89. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father God, we thank you that your word is settled in heaven, settled in our hearts, help us to believe. Father, if there's anyone here who has not accepted Christ, I pray you'll speak to them that that has not changed and they need to do that tonight. If there's anybody here who might need to join the church, anybody here that might need to come in rededication, Rededicate themselves to uh, prayer, to Bible study, to growing in Christ, Lord. If they need to uh, take advantage of the things that are offered here at the church, Lord, we just ask that those decisions be made. Maybe if they just need to make a new commitment to something you've been dealing with them about in their Bible study, we pray they'll do that. And Father, we ask that during this invitation time, Jesus and Jesus alone will be glorified. It's in His name I pray. Amen.